Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones to share another quiet talk with you today. What denomination are you a part of? Perhaps you go to a non-denominational church. I'm part of a denomination myself. It's a fairly new one, not what a lot of people would call mainline. Let me say up front that I don't think denominationalism was what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church. So you could naturally ask me, then why are you in a denomination? That's a great question. I can only say that I feel that God has led me this way. Jesus has people in all kinds of church fellowships. I'm called to minister to them regardless of their affiliation. Those of you who know me are well aware that I have been uh, part of several denominations over the years of my life in Christian work and along the way pastored a non-denominational church. That probably says a lot about me right there. I have never had what you might call brand loyalty, but I certainly know people who do. Years ago, I was in a service where a great missionary was preaching. He was certainly a powerful preacher, and his sermon, referring to his denomination, which I was also in at the time, he said the, and I won't name the name of the denomination, let's just call it the church of what's happening now. He said, the church of what's happening now is like Noah's Ark. There's a lot of stink on board, but it's the best ship afloat. Of course, he got a big laugh, but the people laughing at the joke were in agreement that their denomination was the best. And if you take literally the implications here, their denomination was the only ship afloat. After all, Noah's Ark certainly was. Now, I don't think he meant to imply that his denomination was the only true church, but what the joke reveals is that he certainly believed he was in the best organization. The funny thing is that many folks in other denominations feel the same way about their group. Why do we have denominations anyway? Well, division has been a problem in the church since the beginning, even before Jesus was crucified, when you couldn't really say, the church existed yet. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. John was basically saying, you've got to be in our club. Jesus showed him where he was wrong. Of course, after the church began, there was a dispute you can read about in Acts chapter 6 that threatened to split the church, but the apostles handled it wisely, and they continued on at that time in unity. I heard about an evangelical group that claimed to follow the New Testament strictly and how they conducted themselves. But if there was a disagreement about some minor point of doctrine, they would split, and the two resulting groups wouldn't talk to each other or have any contact anymore. Somehow, I don't think the attitude is in line with the New Testament, at least what I've read there. So what is, what is it really that brings about so many denominations? I think it's obvious that no two people are ever going to agree on everything. I think we can work together even when we have disagreements 
over what you could call non-essentials. Let me give you some examples of non-essentials. People have different views of how this age in which we're living is going to end. I guess almost all Christians believe it will end with the second coming of Jesus, but the problems come when you start talking about all the events that will accompany his return and, of course, the timing of everything. Years ago, I was chatting with a colleague in one of those denominations I used to be a part of. The subject was what they call the Great Tribulation. People get very upset over their views about that and the timing and sequence concerning this great period. There are pre-tribulationists. There are mid-tribulationists, post-tribulationists. I told him I was a pan-tribulationist. I believe it will all pan out in the end. He got quite upset at me. I once heard a beautiful illustration that the person sharing it used in an attempt to explain unnecessary divisions among Christians. He said the truth is like a diamond with many facets. People viewing the diamond from various angles can see the light reflected to their eyes. Someone on one side of the diamond may see the light, and when another person in a different position says that he too sees the light, the first individual may say, no, I see the light. You have to be where I am to see it. Of course, as with a beautifully cut diamond, you can see the light from various places. Now, that doesn't mean that God's truth is relative. There are, without question, certain theological assertions that are not subject to compromise. The triune nature of God is one of those. The divinity of Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, his atoning blood, and yes, his future coming to judge the world in righteousness. In my humble opinion... The Nicene Creed is an excellent summary of these truths upon which we must not compromise. This creed is very ancient. I think it covers all the essentials. Of course, there are those who want, won't agree with that. They, they have things that are essential to them, and they will not compromise. I have friends who don't agree with me on certain points of doctrine, but they are orthodox. In other words, they hold to the essentials of the Christian faith. They are my brothers and sisters. It's very sad when somebody takes the attitude, everybody has to agree with me or we can't have fellowship. I believe the Bible has put forth clearly those things that we must not compromise on. I will say in passing that the church has held what we call a Trinitarian faith since at least the early part of the 4th century. The word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but I, along with the saints through the ages, believe that the doctrine is taught there. I won't go into it here. If I did, I would probably mess it up. It's not an easy doctrine. Suffice it to say that Christians believe that God exists in one essence, but three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'll stop right there. Let me close by saying that unity in the church doesn't come from long doctrinal debates and discussions. Certain mainline denominations have been having talks for decades, and they still are not in unity, at least organizationally. I personally think that the problem is that nobody wants to give up power. But that's just my opinion. So where does unity come from? 
A little over 13 years ago, I was privileged to visit India with a ministry to orphans called Good News India. I'll never forget the first place I visited. There were rows of Indian boys and girls sitting on the floor, the boys on one side, the girls on the other. And as I walked in, I was immediately struck by the beauty of their upturned, smiling, and expectant faces. They stole my heart in a moment. When these children sang and worshipped, I couldn't understand a word they were singing. But right away, I was one with them in spirit. I saw their tears and their hands raised in adoration, and my heart was with them. Why is that when I didn't understand their words? Well, the answer is simple. They were in unity with the same Jesus that I am in unity with. Therefore, I was in unity with them. When two people are united with Christ, they are automatically in unity with each other. Unity comes not from our opinions. Unity comes from Jesus Christ. Paul wrote these words in Colossians chapter 3. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Let Christ be all in all to us. He is our unity. Heavenly Father, may we be one in Jesus. Help us, Lord God, not to argue over things that aren't really essential to the faith and to the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, rose from the dead, and is coming again to judge this world in righteousness. Help us as a church to come together, regardless of our labels, Lord, and our preferences for worship styles. Help us to come together to spread the gospel in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, a group of I in the uh, group... Uh, friends of mine and I are seeking, uh, and we're a member of that denomination that, uh, uh, I didn't name it, but it's a fairly new denomination, but we're an Anglican church, uh, the Bread of Life Anglican Church, and we meet on Sundays at 10 o'clock at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady, New York. If you're in that area, and if you don't have a church home, we would love to meet you. But we ask everybody to please pray for us as we're just seeking to do God's will. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God bless you.